Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Why, hello, everyone. It's still birthday month for me, and I have a birthday treat because today we have on the amazing number one New York Times best-selling author, Christine Feehan, and her son, who is a newly USA Today bestseller, Brian Feehan, are both here with us today. And this is always special for me when Christine comes on because she probably doesn't remember, but this is how those ripples go out in the world. But probably, I hate to think about the time, but probably 20 years ago, <laughs> how can that be? Um, I was just, I had gone to New Orleans and had a palm reading, and the palm reader said, you're going to be a writer someday. And I thought, what? Because I was selling window shades in the family business, but I wrote for fun every single night. So I thought, I don't Oh, maybe I could. So I wrote a short story that got published, and I had worked on a novel and suddenly had that done in six months, and I thought, I don't know, maybe I could. And my favorite writer was Christine Feehan, and back in that day, she had a Yahoo group. And <laughs> you remember Yahoo groups, right? And I, got, I was in her Yahoo group, and I timidly sent her an email thinking she would never read it. And not only did she read it, but she encouraged me. She was so kind, and uh, it has stuck with me my whole writer life, and I try to pay it forward and be just as kind to other baby writers, too and she really is fantastic lady. So if you haven't read Christine yet, you must have. But if you haven't, <laughs> she has so many books for you to lose yourself in and binge read. And Brian is a debut author, which everyone who is a frequent listener knows I freak out over debut authors because there will never again be another book that you hold in your hand and go, oh my gosh, I did it. Um, and I love that enthusiasm. So I was so excited when I found out that Brian and Christine could come on at the same time. So if you haven't read them yet, I'm going to read their bios here so you can get to know them, and then I'm going to shut up and let them talk. So <laughs> Christine Feehan is a number one New York Times bestselling author with 83 published works in seven different series. Whoa! Dark series, Ghostwalker series, Leopard series, Drake Sisters series, Sea Haven series, Shadow series, and Torpedo Inc. series. All seven of her series have hit the number one spot in the New York Times bestseller list. Judgment Road, the first book in her new series, Torpedo, Inc., debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And now she has a romantic suspense series that we're going to talk about today, too. So I did put a link to her website right there on Blog Talk. You can click it anytime and go buy all those books. Oh, my gosh, you're in for such a treat. And next up, Brian Feehan, who is her son, lives in his mind creating vibrant characters who tend to talk very loudly and far too often. When real life comes knocking, it's likely to be the love of his life, Michelle, or their son, Dylan. Together they live on the northern coast of California, which is quite different from any other part of California. Brian is fascinated by both the written word and learning new subjects. He's always up for a laugh, a game, or a drink with family and friends. 
He is also the son of number one New York Times bestselling author Christine Feehan, who started his training to become an author before he was old enough to walk. I love that. And I did put a link to Brian's website as well, so go ahead and click that. I believe he has a newsletter, and he would love for you to sign up. And without any further delay, Christine and Brian, are you there? Yes, we are. We are. Thank you for having ah! us. And, um, Thank you so much. That was such kind words for you to say about me. And we do go back <laughs> a very long way. And yes. the other thing that I wanted to say from from our beginning, from 20-some-odd years ago, which we're going to pretend <laughs> all those years didn't pass. Right, right, and just yesterday. Say, <laughs> I honestly believe and have hopefully taught my son the same thing, that all writers, all of us who are writing, no matter what stage we're in, whether it's beginning, not having been published, or even if we're not looking to be published, but we just love to write, we're all the same. I'm not better than someone else. I, that's why I really feel that we need to help each other and we need to reach out to one another. I, when I first started um, in this business, knew nothing, absolutely nothing. I, I didn't even know about RWA. And I was lucky enough to have Jane Ann Prince reach out to me. She was amazing and, and is. I mean, she's a kind, giving person. And there are so many authors in this world that are like that. And it doesn't matter how you're published, whether it's traditionally or not, if you are someone who loves the written word, um, I really believe that we all need to stick together and help each other. None of us can write Definitely. En enough books for all readers, and we certainly don't write for everybody. I mean, my books aren't going to satisfy every single reader, and because I don't write in every genre. So I w and I obviously read tons, so I read a lot of authors, and, and I look for new authors in a lot of independents, a lot of different people, a lot of debut authors. And I, and I hope that other authors out there and new authors feel as if they're going to be accepted and read because everybody yes. is looking for fresh voices. Don't be discouraged is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yes, and oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> We're going to be too polite. You and have that awkward, awkward ten-second pause. Right. Oh, we right. Can't do that now. <laughs> no. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, obviously, I have the great fortune to be Christine's son, and you know what she just said. Uh, you know, it's interesting how much she truly believes that, and how true her words are, because they're reflected in all the other authors, just like yourself, Lisa and so many others, um, you know, there are some communities where they're naturally opposed towards one another. You know, uh, you look at Formula mm -hmm. One racing, there's, it, everybody starts out friendly in the beginning mostly, and by the end, it, you know, there's some people that are just so antagonistic towards each other because it's a competition right. against each other. But there's other communi communities where 
uh, you know, I always say you read a great book, and the next thing you want to do is go read another great book. You know, and for a writer, you exactly. read a book that doesn't, doesn't really work for you. The next thing you want to do as a writer is go write a book that does work for you. It's always about, like, it naturally supports one another. It's a symbiotic relationship, writers and writers and readers and readers and readers and writers. It all works together perfectly. And um, I agree. See. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I always, as, as a writer, it takes weeks and weeks and weeks to get this book done, and as a reader, it takes a few hours to finish reading it. So, really, we're not in competition with each other. We're all trying to feed everyone's, you know, everyone's appetite for a book. So, I love recommending other authors and, and yeah, welcoming fresh voices. It's not a competition. We could never keep up with reader appetites. <laughs> There's no possible way. There's no way. I mean, I literally will have just had a book out, and within two hours I start getting mail, you know, when's the next one, when's the next one? And I'm like, okay, like, here's a whole list of books that's from other people. But, Mom, that's because you write really right. great books. If you didn't write such great books, they would be like, you know, turning on the television. Instead, they're like, let's go read another great book. Well, thank you. Yes. Yes, and that's true. We do have to compete with Netflix and all that other kind of stuff, but I do think that a book gives people a unique escape because your brain is involved. You know, when you watch Netflix, your brain kind of checks out and you get to digest the content, which is not to say that's bad. I do it all the time, but the experience of reading a book is so different because it comes alive in your head, you know, you you make it alive, and I think that that is a really special experience that you can't get anywhere else but a book. That's true, and it also really helps your brain um, stay working. I mean, reading does. I'm talking about mm-hmm. a proven fact. You, your brain, as you get older, um, keeping up with the words and all of you know the. The details, holding right. up the details and whatnot. Which, when you're checking out watching movies and television, that's not happening with your brain. But it is in a book. Right. You have to keep up with what everything means, and and you have to have that imagination to put them all together. And so it does kind of stave off some of the Alzheimer's and <laughs> other things that normally might happen to an older person. Yeah, just that time time does to slow our brains down. Our Google ladies slow down as we get older. <laughs> well, and they're awesome. Like, here's also what I think is so amazing about books is, you know, uh, when you look at TV and movies, which I love, obviously I love TV and movies. I think we all do. Uh, you know, and that's one form of storytelling, and that's great. But, you know, when you – when you write a book, when you read a book, when you have that chance to go that far into characters, it's not just what they say. And that's what happens in TV and movies is even even if they talk about the writers who write a script, it's all it's mostly what they say, right? Mm-hmm. And, but in a book, right. it goes so much deeper. And that's real life. Yes. Like real life is deeper. And, um, and I think that's just one of the extraordinary uh, sides of, of this medium on how to tell a story. 
is I agree is a and fuller picture of, of the life experience of of these characters. Mhm. You really get in their skin because we can hear their thoughts when we read a book. That's true. You get to see the emotions. You can layer in all sorts of real issues that in a movie you have to pick certain things and you you can only have those, you know, details and that's it. Where in a book you really can layer in all kinds of real life experiences and issues and the reader goes along with those journeys. Well, speaking of the journeys, um, I want to talk about the new books that just came out. So, Christine, you have always written paranormal. There's always a paranormal angle. But this new book, Red on the River, is it just straight romantic suspense? We don't get any paranormal things in there? You want to tell us about it? No, no, they're definitely paranormal. Um, Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure that I could write a book without a little bit of a paranormal (laughs) angle there. And the Little thing twinkle. about, um, and they definitely are a romance. They have romance in them. And in my mind, they're a lot like the Drake sisters and the um, Sisters of the Heart. They involve oh. um, a group of women who have come together from different backgrounds. Very um, difficult, very difficult backgrounds. And they all are up in the um, mountains near Yosemite. I really love them all, and I got the idea because um, one of my daughters lived up in Bishop for a long time, which is uh, up near Mm -hmm. And all of these girls have these unique jobs. And they were talking to me one day (laughs) about their jobs, and one of them was head of search and rescue. And she was saying, you know, sometimes we come across a body that perhaps we weren't sure if it was an accident or not. And instantly, you know, Christine. (laughs) Your writer brain took off. (laughs) So I was like, oh, okay, well, let's talk about this. And the next thing, those poor girls, they were hiking all over the place and finding places some killer might be lurking about <laughs> trying to do them in. And they were like, I don't know if we want, we like this. <laughs> they were taking pictures for me and looking up into the mountains. And it was, um, it was really fun for me to, um, you know, explore that whole area and the lives of these um, women and kind of bring them together and the romance um, of the first couple. I really, really loved the first couple and how they came together. And of course, I have the other thing I loved about it is there were animals in it. I could put the animals in I wanted to. <laughs> so. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, readers who love uh, small towns and, and Empowerment of women getting together and um, friendships. Yes, definitely adventures. Um, I think they would really enjoy these these stories, and there is paranormal in it for sure. Um, 
What what's the paranormal angle in the series? Um, the heroine would never have known that there was a serial killer, except that she has this um, dream. You know, she dreams um, about the event prior to it happening, and has throughout her life oh. close to or has uh, ever been in contact with the person who is doing the killing. And suddenly, all of a sudden, it's happening. She starts dreaming, and she knows how many days prior, leading up to the event, that he's going to kill. Oh. She only has so much time to try to stop it. (gasps) So we're going to hear a clock ticking while we read these books, right, in our head? (laughs) Yeah. Time is running so out. Each book is a standalone. So um, oh, okay. her book will be, you know, by the end of the book, that one will be solved. And so that one was Murder at Sunset, Sunrise Lake. And then the second one was Red on the River. And that was Vienna's story. That one just came out. And she is um, a nurse, and she also is head of um, Search and Rescue. And that one is quite the adventure, and it goes, it's the same girls, and the first couple is getting married, and so this is her bridal shower, (laughs) it's her little adventure, (laughs) and the girls get in all kinds of trouble again, and it's a completely different, um, it's not a serial killer, but somebody definitely is uh, after trying to kill somebody, and they have to figure out who, why, and what's going on, and it's just one horrible thing after another that they have to deal with, and they're really good at it together. And I really, really loved writing them and doing all the research for them. Well, of course, not me. I make these poor girls go out there and say... (laughs) Killers make them make them hike the mountains. <laughs> so it, it, they're quite interesting and fun to do. But yes, they are paranormal. And in Red on the River, um, she also plays cards. So I had to learn about playing poker, which I figured out I wasn't very good out at. And I had to learn about climbing. Um, that was easier because um, my daughter does climbing, and I've heard about that all my life. So there were certain things that were easy and certain things that were really difficult. But um, it was all fun. And I think, again, anybody who really enjoys romance and who enjoys um, you know, that camaraderie of women and the empowerment of women, I think they would really, really enjoy these Oh, everyone needs to go out and get it. And because they're standalones, you can start with Red on the River. They don't have to go back and start the first one. They don't have to get the first one, no. But I, I, okay. I think they enjoy both of them. But yes. Yes, yes. As authors, we always hope that you'll jump in on that new book, but go back and read all the others, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, there's just two in this one, so it's not a... There's not 22? No, there's not 22. Not like going, yeah, (laughs) 
not like going back to the first Dark Carpathian book. No. <laughs> uh, well, Brian, do you want to tell us about your book, Harmony of Fire? Yours is urban fantasy, right? We're going to have the same hero and heroine through all the books? Uh, yeah, we're going to have the same. It's, it's a paranormal romance urban fantasy. And uh, okay. Oh, my gosh. I don't like talking about my book at all. <laughs> uh, I know it's a weird thing, but uh, I'm always like, well, there's the cover. You should go take a look at the cover. Uh, no, I got into paranormal <laughs> romance because I love the genre. I, I, I love the genre. I've loved it all my life. I don't think it's a surprise. Um, you know, the idea of just taking this world and changing uh, a few small elements. And, you know, people will ask me out there, they'll ask me, well, what is paranormal, those that haven't read it yet? And it's like, well, honestly, you've already sort of experienced this in most of your, the, well, the TV movies or books you've read. Yes. Really just mm-hmm. Ghosts are paranormal, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Any kind of magic, witches are paranormal. Anything that's just slightly outside of the normal realm is paranormal. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, I, I wrote this story. Oh, man, it's actually kind of hard to talk about. Um, so my heroine... Uh, encounters my bad guy, my villain, at the age of nine years old. Uh, her name is Alice, and at nine years old, my villain um, bonds her soul to his so that he might grow in power as she she grows. But in doing that, he has the ability to take away some of her free will, uh, actually all of her free will. And um, luckily, more by luck than any, anything else and the willingness of some good people, she actually gets separated from him and is whisked off away to train as a hunter. And what happens with Alice is she understands she can never go back home until she kills the bad guy. And uh, so she trains, and that's, that's her single-minded focus. And um, I, I say that I struggled to talk about it because to write her as a character, she is so determined and refuses to... To, to fall down, she refuses to give up, uh, that it kind of breaks my heart a little bit to write her. Um, anyway, back to, to my hero. I give, I give my hero the power of creation, which I call ethereal energy or ethereal magic, depending on who's talking. And Owen is a musician. And so when he creates with music, he's able to weave that uh, power uh, in with his music. And that's when some pretty incredible things happen is when he's actually up on stage creating and weaving that magic in. And that's sort of the setup for, for my book. I really, one of the things that I did with paranormal, writing a paranormal romance and loving it so much is I really wanted to write a brand new world. I wanted to write something that had never be, I had never read. You know, reading thousands of books, um, you know, you're always looking for the one that you haven't read yet. And so I decided to write that book. And so mostly in paranormal, if I give you, uh, I can give you like one word to kind of clue you in what the world is, like werewolves. You know that we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about some hairy guys and stuff happens on a full moon. Maybe there's a silver bullet or not. You know, vampires, we're going to talk about teeth and maybe there's some blood going on and uh, maybe there's some shape-shifting going on. Who knows? Um, this one I don't have a one world to give you yet until you read the book. And then I can talk about the Lee. Um, anyway, so that's what I've done. That's what I did. And my, the book just came out a couple months ago. It's my very first one. And it's been really heart-touching to see how much support that I've had from friends and families, teachers, people I went to school with, 
authors, readers, readers I've met, uh, you know, and obviously my mom too. She's been a huge supporter and fan of mine, and uh, you know, her help has just been invaluable. Yeah. Well, and then I wanted to ask. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to ask you um, because, like I said at the beginning, when I was talking to you at RT, you hadn't you hadn't sold the book yet, and you were working in the critique group with your mom. And I was going to ask how she influenced your writing, and how maybe you influenced hers. If you guys were, you know, swapping critiques back and forth, how did that all work for you? Was it a little overpowering, or was it empowering? <laughs> You know, those are so many great questions. I think the first part that's kind of interesting is you should know that uh, uh, my mom has helped me tremendously through all these years, but she doesn't do it in a way that, like, a school teacher would, um, which I think mm -hmm. is really interesting. She did it as, if you want to be a writer, you need to go understand what you're doing, and then you got to figure out why you want to tell a story. Go do it. And... You know, she would say, you know, you want to take a master class on writing? Go read a book and then figure out how they did mm -hmm. it. You know, Nora Roberts, who is brilliant, every book she puts out is a master class on writing. Go study mm -hmm. it. Get it at the library. Hell, sorry. You can go get it at a used bookstore. Like, you know, it's there every single time. And so... Those were the kind of helpful hints that my mom always did. And then little by little, she'd say, you know, like, like reading is like having somebody underwater. It's an amazing experience, and it's a full-body experience. But there's a part of them that's always going to want to pop to the surface, surface, so you have to give them more reasons to stay underwater. And we call those hooks. So make sure that you're putting hooks in every page, that you're understanding what people, how people want to interact with your book. And those kind of things. But it wasn't like a hard, like, you have to do this or do not do this. In fact, it's just the opposite. When I hear people talk about how they have to write a book a certain way, my, I get all the lessons my mom has been telling me my whole life, which is you can do anything you want your way. You don't have to do it one way. You get to do it any way you want to do it. Uh, you know, and then just own the fact that that's your way. My mom's going to mean just on my head. But, uh, it's been really amazing and uh, super supportive, but it's more of a quiet whisper than a shout, you know. I believe, oh, I love that. I, I believe that everybody has to write the way that's comfortable for them, and they have to find their own way. And there are so many masters out there. To this day, I try to improve every book that I write, every book I I go back and I think, what could I have done better? And in any book that I read, if I find a scene that moves me, I'm like, what did this author do that led up to this scene? What did they do that made it so beautiful? How did they put their words together? And that's what I try to tell him. When you're reading a, a story, and you, even if the rest of the story isn't great, if there's one scene in there that just grips you and tears at your soul, figure out why and how they did it. That's a class right there. That's a story, you know, that's, you, you can learn all the time. Never stop learning your craft. Never think that you're so great that you can't learn. And that's 
how you do it. And you look at the greats. There, we have so many great writers out there. And you look at what they do, and you, and you should learn from them. You know, there are, there are so many that paved the way for us. And you don't push them aside and think, oh, they, they're husbands or whatever. You look at them and go, they're where they are for a reason. That's so true. And I was going to ask you, too, because you have written so many books and you have, um, but the Dark Carpathians was like the first, wasn't it? And and now it's up to, did you say book 22? Um, <laughs> so I wondered when you started that series, what, what um, inspired you to start it? And then did the evolution of the series surprise you? Did you know it would be this long? Um, I, I didn't really have an idea that it would be this long, no. Um, I did feel that if I was the only one writing it and there were just so many couples, you know, like I think it is 33 at this point, and there's only 33. <laughs> oh, wow. That it's not, you know, it's not too bulky, but I wanted them all to be different. And in a world that, you know, you make up these rules, and you have to stick with them. And if readers become comfortable with those rules, they suddenly start judging them by human standards rather than in that world. And you mm-hmm. have to find ways to remind them that they're not human and their rules are different from human rules. And that is a little more difficult. If you have new readers, then they're like, get that magic. But right. But if they're readers that are reading all the time, they're like, well, he's kind of being, you know, he shouldn't have said that or he shouldn't have done that. Well, if they're an ancient Carpathian and they're finding the, you know, the life mate, when they say those ritual binding words, they have to say them. They have no choice. And sometimes we'll forget that, right? So you have to Mm -hmm. find a as a writer, to make a reader feel that urgency that the um, male has, and I have to, that has to be my job to do that. Plus, I have to find worthy villains for them, which isn't easy. Right. They have so many great powers. Right. And and I, I think, too, that um, now that, now that I've written a few werewolf packs and I've completed series, and but they're all in the same world, and when I go to write them, I feel like I'm sinking back into an old friend. Do you feel that way when you sink back into the Carpathians? You go write a ghost hunter and then a, and a, um, these new books. Do you, when you sink back into a dark Carpathian, do you go, ha, ah, back with my friends? Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely I do. And I have... Um, like, for instance, with Dark Whisper, I was so excited when I finally started that book. I had been waiting, uh, actually, to write it for some time. It was very important to me to get back, you know, into into Dark Whisper um, because I had some loose ends that I knew I w- had been wanting to tie up, but I, I needed the exact setting setting for it, and I 
um, I had this idea in mind for a very long time. And um, the story set in the forest in Russia. And so the, the heroine is actually a lichen princess. And Sacred Circle is a fanatical group who does not believe that Carpathians and lichens should ever, ever be together because the, they're very powerful and the Carpathians are very powerful. And if you mix their blood, they become something completely different. And so that they're fearful of that power. And she is quite something. An amazing, amazing heroine, and I love that. What there? She's one of my favorite types of heroines to write about. But the problem with having this um, heroine that is really uh, she's a demon hunter and somebody who you you just don't cross her and. You have to have a hero that can keep up with that if you want them to be equal partners. And the, to do that, I mean, I, I don't know if you've read a lot of books where the heroine is very, very strong. You mm -hmm. have to be very careful with your male to make him equally as strong or he kind of falls behind. And I have, me personally, it's a personal thing. I have problems with books that don't have an equal partnership. They, the two of them have to have um, some sort of equality in their um, partnership, or I don't enjoy the story. So writing their book was quite the challenge, but it was also fun because uh, obviously Skylar and Dimitri were going to be in the book, which. Um, I love revisiting them, and mm -hmm. Ivory and Razvan, who are a couple of my favorites. These are all um, past characters uh, for those of you who don't read the Dark um, series, but they all have to do with wolves, and I love wolves. <laughs> so it was yeah. quite really cool story for me to write, and I really, really enjoyed writing it. And there was a lot of action, a lot. I think the action started almost on page one and continued through the entire book. It, it was just fast action, crazy, and so fun for me to write. So I really, I loved Dark Whisper. Ah, I can't wait. When does it come out? It comes out soon, right? Should we all go pre-order yeah. it? It does. It, it does come out very, very soon. Um, I have to look at this. Dark Whisper comes out October 11th. And I believe, actually, that um, it's up right now at Mendocino Gallery. Um, you can order it, a signed copy there at the gallery. Um, yeah, it's about gallery. Nice. Bookstore. It's the virtual signing. And if you um, order it there, I can sign it for you. Well, no, wait, it's not your bookstore. It's our local bookstore. Oh, our local bookstore. That's yeah, she correct. does not own any <laughs> no, part no, of it no, at no. all. No, it's just, when you live it's in not like Nora's. Yeah. yeah. It's a very small town here, so yeah. I always say. Like the Irish pub here is definitely my Irish pub. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, um, we've already gone way over time, but I had one more question that I wanted to I wanted to ask for Brian. Um, do you listen to audiobooks? Was it super cool for you to hear your characters brought to life by um, you know audio narrator, actors, voice actors? Was that really special for you? Oh my! It was not just special for me. It was special for my friends and my family. It was special for my fiance Michelle. She like everything about that was special. I listen to audiobooks insanely. Like, and I have been doing it, I've been doing it for so too, long. Yeah. My, my audiobook library is crazy. Um, actually, the first one I ever did was the first audiobook I ever did was uh, a Nora Roberts uh, death series. The in death. Starts with Naked in Death. And, um, and I was traveling cross country. And after that, I did Harry Potter. And then you bought, my mom actually bought me for Christmas one time. She got me the CDs of all of, all of the tokens, and it was an amazing one with, like, a tons of different, uh, like, ten different actors or something like that, and a band. It was insane. Wow. I, I love audiobooks. And, yeah, my guy, the guy who did mine, um, I actually got to help pick out. The publishing house was really nice, and they talked to me a little bit and asked me some questions. And I, I really, when I write, I like to have a rhythm to my, to my words, and I like to have a rhythm. Mm-hmm. In this book, I wrote music. So all of that together was really important, and I thought his voice is, is really fantastic for for what seems to be a new a new guy on the scene. Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, so it was really cool, and and so it kind of felt like it wasn't just my debut novel. It's, it felt like it, you know I don't know him very well, so for all I know, he's got like ten books out there. But to me, it felt like it was his debut novel as well, and the feedback I've gotten on his voice and how well he really was really incredible, and I listened to it myself. And I thought he did a wonderful job. Um, you know, as a writer, there's always a little tweak here or there, but for the most part, I thought he knocked it out of the park. Oh, I love that. And so it's your debut and his debut. Yeah, like I said, I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't offend him. Uh, you know, I haven't met him uh, myself <laughs> yet, but I thought he did a really amazing job. And, yeah, I'm totally, uh, I totally am, like, willing to take the, uh, you know, credit, uh, shared credit. Uh, yeah. And by the way, Lisa, Brian has um, a second novel coming out in February, Harmony of Lies. Yeah, it comes out uh, February 23rd. Thanks, Mom. Well, I couldn't help it. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> so I we all read that one before it came out. He hid the first one from me. And, um, but this really? One, yeah. Yeah, he didn't want my help. He wanted to, he wanted to publish <laughs> on his own. And... He wouldn't let me read the first one. He was kind of. I had to. I had to trick one of my friends into giving me the book. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Uh, I do a weird thing where I don't like to. I don't usually let people read it until it's fully, fully done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got a. I've got a beta group. Of, beta group of readers that that get to read it. Um, and so, but but everybody in my uh, writers group doesn't doesn't get to read it. It's kind of interesting. I I kind of do things kind of upside down. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> it's like, people read mine either. So he's like me. But oh, okay. He have he's like you. Like 
Well, everybody who's listening, we all have to go and pre-order Harmony of Lies, and we need to pre-order Dark Whisper. And if you haven't yet gotten Red on the River, go grab it, and definitely grab Harmony of Fire. And if you love audiobooks, get the audiobook, because it's so amazing to hear the stories brought to life by these narrators. They're so fantastic. And thank you so much, you guys, for being here. I'm sorry I kept you so long, but it was so much fun to chat with you. Thanks for being here. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Good luck with everything. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Booklight. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.